who are the people, who are those captains that everybody wants to work with? And who are those captains that not many people want to work with or not as many? And what what do those two groups have in common? Like those, uh, I in my head, I had three people that I thought everybody wanted to work with, not just me. It wasn't like that I want to work with that. Everybody did. And they were different people, but they all had two things in common. They were really good at their job. And the other thing that they had was they were really good with people. The other group of people that uh, people didn't want to work with so much, like one of them was really good at tactics, very mm -hmm. good on a call, but not so good with the people, very mm -hmm. authoritative, very egotistical. So people were afraid of that. Another guy was very good with people and took care of his people and was great, but was not confident on the fire ground and honestly kind of dangerous uh. but uh <laughs> and didn't really have much confidence or really know much about the fire service so a lot of people have one or the other so i think for me i felt like if you want to be a good fire officer even if you're want to be a firefighter your whole career be one of those a leader in your fire department is just know your job really well and be good with people it comes down to those two things the first responder liaison network is proud to present to you the kitchen table podcast where our guests come share their stories their perspectives and their message talking all things leadership now here's your host berlin mazza good morning everybody and welcome to the kitchen table the kitchen table is brought to you by the first responder liaison network the network is organized for the development, implementation, and ongoing support of mentorship and professional development programs, inspiring our youth and young adults to mature into engaged civic leaders and resilient community sentinels. Music and graphics are brought to you by Kai Elephant Productions. So today on the kitchen table, we have Gary Barker, Battalion Chief with Valley Regional Fire Authority, hired in the great class of 1992, which is class 92-4. Gary has 31 years in the fire service. He served on the union executive board for 13 years. He was on the contract negotiations team for three contracts. He was also on the technical rescue team as a firefighter and a captain for almost 10 years, in which he became the lead of the tech rescue team immediately upon being promoted to battalion chief in 2017. Chief Barker worked as a shift BC for three years, where he then transitioned to the South King County Fire Training Consortium in operations for three and a half years. Gary was raised by a single mom in Bellingham, Washington. He grew up with a brother one year older than him and a sister seven years younger. Most of his childhood, he was on welfare and food stamps. And despite that, he had a good childhood, good family. Gary enlisted into the Navy one week after high school. He served for four years until the age of 22 and then was hired by the Auburn Fire Department at the age of 24 in 1992. Good morning, Gary. Thanks for joining today on the kitchen table. How are you? Good morning. I'm I'm doing great. I uh, appreciate you inviting me. Glad to be here. Well, thank you for being here. And uh, I have to start with this. So I've heard this plenty of times, uh, you know, from Bill and from some other individuals. Class of '92-four, as they call it. Bill re refers to this class as the best recruit class ever. Can you share a little bit about who was in that class and also why it's considered uh, the best class ever? Well, that's 
that is uh that's what we feel because uh you know we didn't think about it at the time like hey this is the best class ever we didn't know but as we've gone through our career there's just been a lot of people in that class that ended up um you know going through the ranks and and really contributing to the fire service um so you know from my class that i went through from auburn fire department was me norm golden bill mack and vic cave so and uh, vic cave ended up being the uh, class valedictorian and is mm. now the mayor of pacific washington uh we also had um we had uh brian carson who mm -hmm. was at SeaTac and obviously is now chief of uh, puget sound and then there's a lot of other people that are still like mike hawkins from puget sound is still in the fire service matt zuliger uh the one of the uh our classmates became the chief of graham and unfortunately he passed away a few mm -hmm. months ago but yeah, a lot of uh, people, and I think it, uh, the big part of it is like me and Bill and Norm, and always, you know, keep touting how great it is, and with, yeah, and Carson's just in that mix too because he doesn't yeah. he doesn't brag as much as we do, but we <laughs> rope him into it. <laughs> Sounds like the fire service is in a better place due to the contributions of many individuals from your class. So thank you to those individuals you mentioned, uh, plus many others. So again, thank you for being here, Gary. Uh, but before we get going, do you mind sharing a little bit about Gary Barker? So who is Gary Barker? Family, hobbies? Uh, family, I've I've been married for um, 27 years. I have a 24-year-old son, 21-year-old daughter. Um, for hobbies, my wife and I like to take our trailer and go camping throughout the state with some, with friends. Um, and uh yeah we uh take kayaks out we go do different things um but as far as like super hobbies that we do that's pretty much it we just like to go spend time outside and yeah uh travel around you like to work out a little bit no yeah uh i think that that's the good thing about the fire service is i, I feel pretty fortunate that being in the fire service, we have an opportunity to work out and stay fit. And there's always somebody that is um, doing something that is uh, interesting um, or challenging. So like I've done the stair climb 22 times. Mm. I think it, it's a challenge, but it's a, it, ultimately it's a good fundraiser for cancer. Um, and I've done a bunch of triathlons, but I haven't I haven't done any since like for ten years. But I used yeah. to really be into those too. Yeah. But yeah, physical fitness is is uh, good because at this at my age now at fifty five, I I want to stay in good a shape as the young guys. So it's <laughs> it's not happening. But I like. <laughs> well, that's it. It's all about trying. It's all about staying in shape. It's all about doing the best mm -hmm. you can, or you know, at whatever age you're at, or whatever wherever you're at in your career. So, all right, well, let's, uh, let's dive into this. So you've been in the train division three and a half years. Uh, I will say that's where I first met you. I remember you were, uh, transitioning in and Bill was transitioning out. So here I am back in training and you're still here, but, uh, fortunate that, uh, you get to go back to shift at the turn of the year. I get to go back to shift at the turn of the year. So how excited are you about that? Three and a half years later. Wow. Long time. Yeah. It's, uh, I feel like, 
I'm really fortunate to have been here. Um, when you think about the amount of people in the training consortium that have worked at the training consortium, there aren't a lot when you look at the numbers, but right. um, I feel like it's, it's certainly helped me with my career and made me better at what I do. And it's nice to be able to have a break in kind of a career path where you can, you don't get too burnt out and doing one, one thing, you switch it up, which um, I've kind of done that my whole career, I've found a new interest in something that'll change my perspective and uh, help me grow. And yeah. uh, this has definitely done that for me. And going back to shift, I'm, I'm looking forward to that as well to number one, meet half of my department since I've <laughs> uh, three and a half years, I think 35% yeah. of our people are new uh, in JTC. <laughs> yeah. That's, uh, that's, that's wild, isn't it? That's, that's, that's us as well. Yeah. There's probably about yeah. a, a dozen or two dozen people that I've never even met. I've only been gone for a year. So yeah, I can only imagine yeah. three and a half years. So can you talk a little bit about the importance, right? I'm just going to throw it out there. The importance of a special assignment, we'll say, whether it be training or something else, obviously you and I, you know, have spent time in training and uh, obviously tremendous amount of learning and growth as well, as well as the connections of people you meet, people you get to work with. But can you tell, share a little bit about your growth in the fire, in the training division for three and a half years? I can only imagine how many people, departments and uh, connections that you've made. But can you talk about how much growth can be had when you put yourself out there to do something that traditionally firefighters wouldn't do right. Like I, I believe firefighters didn't get into the profession to work a day shift assignment. Right. But many do or not many. Right. So uh, uh, a few do. So can you talk a little bit about the importance of taking on a special assignment and what can you, what it could do for one's career? Uh, sure. Yeah. Um, I honestly wasn't really excited about coming here. But the main reason was that Bill Mack and I got hired together and uh, we've, we quickly became really good friends and we've been super close our whole career, but we've never worked together. We're always on different shifts. So when he was coming back to shift, I was excited for him to come back because we could finally be uh, like working. And even if, even though we're on different shifts as, as BCs, we would still be in the same office and see each other shift change, shift change a lot. But um, it was best for me to go to training. I was, which is surprising. I was the most experienced BC on shift. The other three were all still on probation. Mm. We just had a new group. So, but coming here has been really good for me. Um, when I promoted to captain, it was a pretty easy transition because I had acted so much. But when I promoted to battalion chief, it was all really new and it was a big learning curve. But doing that for three years, I felt I had gotten to the point where I was very comfortable. And then when I came here to training, it was starting all over again. Mm. Um, I was really didn't know what I was doing here when I got here. It was a big learning curve. Um, but you pick things up. I'm sorry. Working up here is really great because you're just surrounded by high-achieving people that just work their butts off. And uh, I've been super fortunate to work with so many people in not only just operations, but uh, the people that run the academy, the uh, 
Chief Hamas that runs Incident Command and all of our promotional exams. Um, so just being around all those people and getting to know so many people, all the ops chiefs and uh, firefighters and captains and BCs throughout the entire zone, and then learning how to do my job better um, has been super beneficial in my career. And um, and not to mention making a lot of friends right. and uh, contacts with people and, and finding out what other people are doing. Yeah. I'd say the, the biggest thing that I've learned here is that now that we're all doing the same thing, all the departments in the consortium are going to the same academy, the same JTC, the same continuing education and training. When I'm running a live fire, for example, or firefighter fundamentals, any or any MCO, you can really see how even and the same all of us are. For example, if we have a live fire and we have five different engines from five different departments, they work together as if they were all from the same department. I truly believe you could interchange any firefighter, company officer, or BC to any other agency in the consortium and they would operate this like turnkey, hmm. which wasn't the way that it was before right. the consortium. Right. I mean, it, we were all different silos. I didn't even know anybody from Federal Way or Kent. Yeah. We wouldn't see each other every time we'd show up to something at the same time. We all wanted to be in charge and we'd bully. Mm -hmm. um, uh, but now we show up and we see somebody and go, oh, good. It's uh, it's Berlin. Hey, Berlin, yeah. you want <laughs> be RGS or why don't you, uh, you know, do this? I got a couple of new guys. So we get to know each other a lot better. Um, so that's yeah. really good to see. A lot of our leaders that have come on have talked about relationships and regionalization and working together and collaborating information and uh, learning from each other. So. Uh, but before we dive into your topic, I want to lean on something that you said. You said something that you did not want to come to training. You said, in fact, you were you you were uh, you were your most senior BC. You were excited for one of your closest friends to come back to shift, so you could work side by side him, collaborate, see each other, have a good time, work hard. And you didn't want to come to training, but you did, and you're better because of it. You would say. So I guess talk a little bit about, you know encouragement of others to do the same to you know just get out there and do it even if you didn't want to because you end up growing at the end yeah i think that uh it was just me really wanting to i was just basically being a little bit selfish and just felt comfortable where i was i had never been on days i'd worked shift for 28 years i knew that the training consortium was was great and um Bill told me, hey, you should go. Um, it'll be good for you. And he felt like I would do, I would be a good person to have in this position. But by coming here, it wasn't a career change. It was just an assignment for three years. Some mm. departments are two, some yeah. are three. So because I came in here mid-year, I ended up just extending for a, a six more months so that Absolutely. I would... Yeah. Out in January. But yeah, I should have just jumped at it from the very beginning because really it has been super beneficial in every way. There hasn't yep. been any downside to it at all. I've learned more. I've seen how good other people are in other departments, how hard they work, um, how decisions get made. And um, it's been, I, I would definitely encourage anybody, if you have the opportunity, if you think about how many people get the opportunity to come here, it's not very many. Right. In the scheme of things, if you have any opportunity to do something like this, um, I would certainly 
jump at the chance to come here. Yeah, put yourself out there early. Mm-hmm. All right. Thank you for sharing that, Gary. So let's dive into this leadership. Gary's number one rule or Gary's rule, or we'll say Gary's only rule of leadership. What is that? Um, okay. Years ago, we always talk about leadership. There's multiple classes on leadership and we, everybody, they're all kind of the same. I mean, they all come down to the same type of things that you should do as a leader, but I really wanted to think about it, what it meant to me. So years ago, I thought, okay, who are the people in my department? And specifically, I was thinking of captains. Who are those captains that everybody wants to work with? And who are those captains that not many people want to work with or not as many? And what what do those two groups have in common? Like those, uh, I in my head, I had three people that I thought everybody wanted to work with, not just me. It wasn't like that I want to work with that. Everybody did. And they were different people, but they all had two things in common. They were really good at their job. So everybody, if they, if they were learning from them, teaching uh, on an emergency incident, they trusted that they were going to make the right decision. They were confident. They studied and they were just students of the fire service and continued to be that way through their career. And the other thing that they had was they were really good with people. Mm. So they wanted the best out of their people. They listened, were good for their professional development. Uh, they stood up for them and listened and wanted the best for those people. And they were approachable. The other group of people that uh, people didn't want to work with so much, um, like one of them was really good at tactics, very mm-hmm. good on a call but not so good with the people, very mm-hmm. authoritative, very egotistical. So people were afraid of that. Another guy was very good with people and took care of his people and was great, but was not confident on the fire ground and honestly kind of dangerous, uh. but uh, <laughs> and didn't really have much confidence or really know much about the fire service. So a lot of people have one or the other. So I think for me, I felt like if you want to be a good fire officer, even if you're um, want to be a firefighter your whole career, be one of those uh, a leader in your fire department is just know your job really well and be good with people. It comes down to those two things. Well, I'm gonna I'm gonna ask you something real quick. So uh, when you talked about that, when you said you studied, you know, people that you compared more or less on what people were saying about what they liked in leaders and what they disliked in leaders. Is that something that you observed or is that something that you, you, you studied intentionally? Is that something that you actually asked people, you know, Hey, what do you like about these leaders? Like, how did you get to that, that conclusion, if you will, or that those statistics on, this is what people liked this is what people didn't like. How did you find that information? Was that just simply observation? It was just observation. Yeah. Okay. I, I knew that the people in my department, I think if everybody in their departments, their different agencies thought about who are, who are three people that every, that a lot of firefighters want to go work with on their engine. Like mm. um, we don't have a bid system in Auburn. Um, if there was a bid system, that might be more uh, apparent. But like, who are the people, the guys that everybody just gravitates toward yeah. and wants to be around? Um, those were. It, it was just kind of common knowledge. If you were to ask a bunch of our people, hey, who are the top three captains in our department? 
for the most part, you get the same right. top three from people. So that's what I did. And then I, I just really had to think about why are they, why does everybody want to work with these people? Yeah. What is it about them? And it took a while. It wasn't something that just I figured out in a couple of seconds. It took me a while to, to figure out that they had those two basic, basic qualities that not everybody had. They either had one or the other, but when they had both is what kind of yeah. made them stand out. So what, what, what I hear from you is there was a lot of observation, but also reflection on yourself as far as when you were up and coming, when you were <clears throat> growing up, you know, in your career and your leadership roles that you played in, there was a little bit of, this is what these eyes notice in these leaders. This is what I want to aspire to do and to be. And that's how you did it. Uh, the next part here is becoming a well-respected officer, right? So there's one thing to be confident in your job, one thing to be good with people. But it's another thing to be well-respected. Mm. How does a good leader become well-respected? Yeah, to be well-respected, I think that you have to have a positive attitude. You have to want the best for people. The other thing about it is you have to have a grace for people, either if it's a chief or somebody, and not get put into that um, idea of complaining or looking for things that are the worst of what is wrong with everything. You really have to be positive and know that, look, my chief doesn't come into the department looking for ways to make things create bad morale. Nobody does that, but people mm -hmm. think that and they have that in their mind. So if you have a positive attitude, it's going to spread a lot better than somebody who just complains all the time. So just being positive, keeping uh, your cool, um, and being somebody who has some vision and being able to look at what we could do better and not in a complaint way, like in a yeah. positive way. Mm -hmm. And if you're going to be that person, if you're going to come, if you're going to have ideas on what could be better, you have to be willing to step up and be part of committees, groups, and be part of change and not just saying that we need change. You have to really step up. And that's, I think, the common denominator in a lot of people that you'll see in the fire service that have come up through the ranks is mm -hmm. if you look back at their history, they've been part of something uh, They've throughout their career. Um, I, for example, have always been involved in something in my career, whether it's something that doesn't look like a big deal. God, I had to do this project where I had to think of, where I had to identify every hydrant thread in mm. the entire city of Auburn and the area that we respond to so that we could re, uh, put adapters on them to reduce the amount of adapters we had to carry on our rigs. We used to carry like four or five. That was a large uh, task, not glamorous, but it's stepping up and doing things throughout your career is going to make things better. You know, a union board, negotiations team, <clears throat> apparatus spec committees, anything like that that you can be part of. But I think uh, to be a somebody that is a well-respected leader is has a history of positivity and vision and being a part of the solution instead of just trying to find problems. Be a problem solver, not just a problem finder. I think uh, yeah. 
break whiskey. So let's talk about that on the show. So two things. Number one is be a part of something big or small. Just continuously find yourself to be a part of something that's bettering the department and the people around you. It's kind of what I heard from you. Uh, but secondly, you talked about positivity. And I love anytime we talk about positivity or optimism, I want to stop there for a minute because I want to talk about the importance or lean on the importance, I should say, on optimism and how and what that can do for a culture and what that could do for you know an organization and its people. So the question I'll, I'll ask is, yes, we don't want complainers. We don't want people that just sit and talk all the time about negativity or what's going on with the department or you know, so w- why we aren't doing certain things. Obviously, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna go to go out on a whim here and, and just say this. I'm sure there's been times in your career where you stepped up to do something and you felt like an idea was shot down or, you know, there's people that work for you and with you where, you know, they always tried to bring ideas forward and they felt like their ideas were just not appreciated or, you know, they put so much work or effort into a project and then it just wasn't brought into fruition, if you will. Can you talk about staying positive, staying optimistic? Because yes, there are projects and there's assignments, there's ideas that we can't all bring all that into fruition. Like we know that, but how do we keep people engaged? We talked about engaged earlier. How do we keep them engaged so that they don't give up so that they will continue to take on projects and assignments, even though the last one was, we'll say shut down or just not appreciated. That responsibility lies on both parties. It, it It's for the person who is receiving the ideas and the person giving them, like the person is receiving them your leader, whether it's a company officer or a battalion chief or deputy chief or fire chief, they have to be open to the ideas. You really, just because, I've always said this, just because you get promoted doesn't mean you're better than everybody else that tried. Just because mm-hmm. you get to the battalion chief rank or deputy chief rank or chief rank doesn't mean you are the smartest person in the room based on the amount of collar brass that you're wearing. What so you have to have an open mind and listen to what other people have to say. At the same time, if people know that you're listening to them and you'll say, uh, but giving them a reason on why or why not is the the biggest part, I think, of not taking the wind out of somebody's sails. Mm-hmm. So they don't come back and say, well, I'm not giving my ideas anymore. If you just say, no, we're not doing that, people could feel like, it doesn't matter what I say. This guy's going to say no. I'm not even going to try anymore. But if you come back and go, hey, that's a good idea. I want to do that. The reason that we can is I actually tried to implement this earlier before, but I couldn't. And this is the reason why it kind of – and then they might get some information like, oh, okay, I didn't even think about that. You have to give them a reason that it won't work or why it won't – or at least why it won't work right now. Because I have had lots of people come up. Throughout my career, you could be a new captain and have someone say, hey, Cap, I think we should, you know, when we rescue this person, we should take them down and down to the river, put them on a raft and float them out instead of carrying them back up the river. And I could say, I'm the one in charge. I make the decisions. I say what we do. We're taking them up to try to look like I'm Mm -hmm. the alpha in the room or something. That person's never going to give me another idea again. They're not going to say anything. Uh, if I say, uh, we don't have a boat, it's going to take too long. They're going to go, okay. But if I say, but another thing is, I never thought about that. That's a great idea. How far is that going to go? I mean, hmm. if somebody has a good idea, they have a good idea. And yeah. that's actually a real story that uh, Tim Coleman told me when we were doing a rescue. He'd already been in that spot with somebody who was who was uh, injured in that same exact spot. 
And uh, I said, that's a great idea. So we went with that plan, but you just have to be open to things. And, and, and honestly, some people aren't going to give you an answer on why not. So just keep at it. I guess would be my advice. Try not to get discouraged. Um, Some, some people in leadership positions, just, they're not really good at communicating. They're not trying to be a jerk. They're just not, not good at communication. The same communication as you are, but uh, they're, maybe their head is just up at 35,000 foot level too much. So, but just don't get discouraged because our leadership changes all the time. People get better. Um, I've had ideas and they've gotten roadblocked yeah. before, but try not to take it too personal and, and keep your ideas yeah. going. Keep your ideas going. I love that. So stay open to ideas, but also explain the why or offer the why is kind of what I took from that, right? If someone brings an idea forward and you can't, it doesn't go anywhere or it died or, you know, it just, it can't go much further than, you know, what they're proposing. Offer the why and why, why you can or cannot. But also one thing I really took away from what you said was it's how you phrase it, right? You talked about communication, right? There's always, mm-hmm. there's, there's ways to say something, right? That Like the old adage, uh, adage of it's not what you said, it's how you said it. I like what you said on like, Hey, you know, that's actually a good idea. You know, let me, let, let me let, thank you for that. Let me look into this. Let me see how I could bring this up instead of, you know what, I'm, I'm, I'm the boss or, and we're not doing that. I think what you said was right. key is just how you communicate information to your people. And uh, that keeps them motivated or inspired to continue to bring ideas and stuff forward. So thank you for that. Yeah. And that other part I just wanted to kind of reiterate is the person giving the ideas, how do you keep them going? It's yeah. also on them to just, keep pushing, you know, don't get discouraged. Don't, you know, it's, we have to have thick skin in the fire service trying to get your feelings hurt. Yeah. Or you're just going to give up. Um, yeah. Just keep coming with your idea. Maybe just keep coming. a different angle and go to somebody else and have, yeah. uh, and have it brought up at another time. So basically what you're saying is not everyone's ideas are always brought into fruition. There are everyone in the fire service has ideas that are shot down at some point in their career and oftentimes multiple times. Yes. It's just oh, how you, yeah. it's just how you persist, persist through that. It's like, are you going to let it define you, right? Is yeah. your idea being shot down going to define you now for the rest of your career? Or is it just another bump in the road and the next idea is coming? Someday you'll, those people could be in the position of having people bringing ideas to them and then they'll fully understand, man, I've got these people bringing so many ideas to me. I can't do them all. This person wants a ladder truck. This person thinks we should have a tiller. This person thinks we shouldn't have any. We should have an engine. They all have good information and, and supporting, yeah. um, supporting information on why we should or shouldn't. I've got to make this decision. But mm-hmm. it, decisions aren't that easy because they are a lot of them can be long term. Well, I think, it, I think one great example to outline exactly what you just said is how many times have all of us or any of us have been in that role where the best example I could think of is is uh, is driving. Is like when you are a driver, only when you become a company officer or you sit in the right seat of a fire engine, do you understand the oh wow this person driving. Now I understand what my officer was telling me back when I was a driver. Right? It's just it's when you're in that role now, when you're in that seat, if you will, you kind of understand why. So I think it's important to try to understand. You said, you mentioned earlier, both sides. I think it's important for the individual that's bringing ideas forward to also try to sympathize or empathize as well uh, to the person that they bring ideas forward. You know, if something does get shot down, try to see why from their perspective, 
and not just say, oh, they're always getting shot down. So let's talk about this. You're non-negotiable. Uh, we talk on this show about you know certain behaviors, traits, attitudes that are just a no-go, right? Because they they can kill a culture, they could ruin the direction of an organization, a crew, or any of the above. Prejudice, misogynistic attitude, whiners, complainers, big egos, problem seekers, and people that are not committed. I would say yes to all the above. Those are all non-negotiables, as they should be. So unpack a little bit about that. Maybe provide an example of a time where you work with a person where it just, this is why this is just no good. So provide some context for us. Well, I think that prejudice and misogynistic or having like a prejudice against women is are are big no goes. They're gonna they they don't belong in the fire service. Those are obvious big red flags. Um, and then you have other ones like whiners, complainers. Everybody has them, and some of these people are good people and really good at their job. But they just like to complain on stuff. Yes, and it's like, oh my god, they're smart people, and they. But um, I think sometimes when they're like, if I I, I complain too, everybody complains yeah, about things. I do, but I think if you're going to be a, a complainer, you just need to find the right audience. And uh, I'm not going to complain in front of firefighters or rookie firefighters and i think that's important is uh some of the senior firefighters that you know they're going to complain and find things that should be better or should be changed um just don't do it to a brand don't do it in front of brand new firefighters at the kitchen table and kitchen table i like that like some of the best i like how you did that just, yeah at the kitchen table yeah see that's yeah, where everything yeah. Happens. <laughs> that's where like your that's where everything happens um so yeah, just control that. Um, yeah. As you as you become a company officer, you should be complaining to your peers or your yeah. or your chief, your battalion chief. As you become a battalion chief, you should be complaining to your peers or your deputy chief. Um, but it sh you shouldn't, as a captain, you shouldn't come to the kitchen table and sit there and complain about things. Right. Uh, and definitely. And never complain about your battalion chief or your chiefs in front yep. of anybody. I had a captain do that, and he complained about our battalion chief, and I agreed. Mm -hmm. But at the same time, I just thought, man, you shouldn't be saying that stuff right now at this table. Um, I, I kind of lost a little bit of respect, and this is a person I respect. Um, I, I highly respect, so um, yeah, those things just have to be the right place, right time. People need to vent, but just don't do it as a career. Yeah, I love that. And uh, I'm going to lean on that a little further. So, you know, we've heard the saying, you know, a complaint up, don't complain down, right? I love how you just talked about, you know, don't complain at the kitchen table, uh, right? Phenomenal name there, by the way, kitchen table. But yeah, you don't complain down to those, you know, to the new employees, those that are super engaged. So those are there that are just so excited to be here. New employees, go-getters, they don't know about the, the bad stuff or the negativity or the history, if you will, of the organization, they're there because they want to create new history. They're there because they're engaged and they want to create a positive future for everyone. So I love how you talked about, you know, don't complain or whine in front of, or, 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 or you know, better yet, let's just say, you know, stop whining, stop complaining altogether. Right. That, Cause that just gets us nowhere. 
Mm-hmm. So I love how you say that. Complain up, right? Complain to your peers. Complain to your, you know, to your your supervisors, if you will, and get, and make progress that way. Because just spreading negativity and pessimism doesn't get anywhere. But something I'm going to ask is, how does one stop that? Right, as we sit here and talk about leadership, as we talk about, you know, having important conversations to new and emerging leaders, we'll say. How do we stop those conversations, right? We're at the kitchen table. You got a bunch of whiners, complainers, people talking about, you know, X, Y, Z, someone that's having, you know, prejudicial comments, misogynistic attitude. How does a company officer, you know, or an emerging leader shut it down, right? Yeah. Uh, well, that that is a different one because it's so dynamic. Uh, it could be if you're the new person and it's your captain that's complaining. If you're the new captain and now you're around a bunch of guys you've worked with for a long time and now you're telling them not to do it mm-hmm. and they feel like well where was you didn't yep. say anything when you were a firefighter why are you saying it now so i think that i mean it's easy the easiest part is just to start early and just yep. and not stand for that early in your career um if you've gotten to the point where you realize man i uh, now i can see why um this is wrong and maybe you've been guilty of it in the past before just whining but to stop it from happening, you you should be the company officer that is delicately at, at times just says, hey, are we just going to complain all day long? Are we going to get something done? Or, oh, you know, you could make it, you could start by making a joke of it, make it light so you're not putting somebody too much on the spot. And then if you do that consistently, then they'll start getting the picture. Mm-hmm. Like, hey, um, all right, we have, we can come, you can complain later somewhere else, but we got to get stuff done. Or if they're complaining about anything or just having a bad attitude, I, I would say start lightly. And then if they still don't get the picture, then you'll just have to have a conversation with that person in private. Like look, mm-hmm. we're, we're looking at you as, if you're a company officer, we're looking at you as one of the leaders here. You, you have a lot of, uh, you have a lot of, uh, friends here and people that look up to you and they're going to hang on every every word and we've got young people in the fire service here that are going to be they're going to be influenced by everything that you say so if you're going to complain about things come complain to me but uh don't do it in front of all the crews at the kitchen table in the mornings and yeah change yeah Um, and you just have to be assertive without being a jerk or without being um like uh super upset or angry and embarrass them in front of everybody that's not what you want to do either you just want to be just assertive yeah and, and nice the question i have on that is uh have you had a a situation or relationship change when you were super assertive with someone or upfront on hey you know stop now like we don't we don't do that here we don't talk like that we don't act like that those behaviors are not tolerated here they may have in the past but you know not anymore uh, for whatever reason, like, I don't know why it was tolerated in the past, but we're uh, from here forward, we're not. Have you had a relationship change due to your being honest at some point? And if so, how did uh, that relationship get repaired, if if ever? I've actually have never had to get that upset with anybody or say anything more than just a couple times with like keeping things light. Um, or I'll look at them a or I'll just look at them and say something just sort like, you know, hey, fill out on the uh, complaint. The, <laughs> the disappointed Gary look. Yeah. It, 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 always, it always works. Or I just ignore <laughs> it and let them do what they want because I don't like having to deal with it. 
kidding. No, I know. <laughs> but 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 let's talk about that, right? So many so many uh so many issues and attitudes go unsolved. W- would you agree with that? So many uh, and we've talked about that on the show, right? Encourage oh, or sorry, sure. yeah. what we tolerate in the fire stations, what we tolerate as bad behavior mm-hmm. becomes eventually encouraged, right? Like if you can get away with something yeah. for X amount of years, it becomes a norm. It becomes part of culture. Yeah. And cultural norms are hard to change and hard to shift. So, so with that being said, uh, let's talk about that a little bit about, you know, uh, problems being ignored, why that's bad, and how do we stop ignoring problems? Let's get ahead of it quickly and ahead of time now. Yeah, I, I, we're firefighters. I mean, that's why we have a, a contract that is detailed very specifically we have policy that's detailed very specifically because people will find loopholes and get, and they'll do things <laughs> that they can get away with no firefighters it's just like yeah it's just it's all in fun right but yeah. it's the same thing with attitude or or how your personality is and what you can get away with if your company officer is intimidated by you you're going to do what you want and um if your company officer is maybe not intimidated by you but allowing things that are done, they're going to continue to do it. So uh, they're, that same person might go to a different shift on a debit day or something and go, oh, this guy isn't going to let me get away with it. And they're going to be different on that day because that officer won't let them get away with it. Um, they might start to push a little bit and then they'll get the look or something and go, the look. It off. Uh, then they'll stop. But, and it's, it's really difficult to be an officer in the fire service. And I said this before, I mean, yep. we have a bunch of type A people that push, push, push. And if you don't know your job really well, or if you're not assertive enough to say something to people, the other people in that room want you to say something to this person, right? Yeah, agreed. They, they aren't, they are counting on you to do it. And if, if you don't do it, they'll, yeah, uh, they'll be disappointed. Yep. Uh, if you do, they might, you know, console that person later and go, man, Captain really got all over you about that. Um, but they'll be glad yeah. that it happened. And you are the person that's supposed to kind of take care of everybody and make it create a, a work environment that is good for everyone and not let one person just kind of do what they want. So yeah. you just have to be assertive and be nice about it. And I guess, yeah, the key takeaway is assertive and nice, right? We can be assertive. Yeah. We can be confident in our decision-making. We can be competent at what we do, but you just yeah. got to go about it in a respectful and nice way as well, right? It's, it's one thing to be assertive and, like you said, be a jerk about it. And there's another thing about being, you know, assertive, confident, and also coming across as someone who leads, right? And that's what the point of all this is, yeah. is communication, right? It's all about communication. Yeah. Like the two stations will complain about each other. Gosh, dang it. The, this station is, they never have to do anything. I'll go, knock it off. Yeah. And they'll laugh because they know they're they, not supposed to do it. And they're waiting to see if I'm going to say something and I will. And then they start laughing. So, I mean, most of those guys that are complaining are super solid, good, good people. They're just creating yeah. an environment that isn't great. So you yeah. hear my, my philosophy has always been treat everybody as if they were the best person in the world and you want the best for them and you're cheering for them to be better and great so that um, when you are talking to them about something, you're not ruining things for them. You're, you're yeah. trying to help them. You're reinforcing the good behavior by using positive reinforcements. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it's one thing to use negative reinforcement, but it's also another thing to ignore. All right. So let's transition right into the hot coffee time. 
hot coffee time is a, is a great time to unpack something a little bit controversial. And what better time than to have a little bit of warm and hot coffee at the kitchen table? So the topic of today is individuals taking full advantage of the fire service. And you categorized uh, people in three categories. Number one, those that are those who are committed and reliable, those who do a good job, and those who take advantage of what is best only for them. So let's talk about that hot topic for a minute. This is just kind of something that we'll talk about throughout the, my career. I'm sure other people will talk about it too. Um, and it's just about when you think about the people that you work with, you're probably in one of those categories or kind of in between a couple of them. Uh, well, we have benefits that are that are that uh, our predecessors have worked hard for all of us to have, and they're there for us to use. So, I, again, I'm a union guy. I was on the negotiations team for three contracts. Helped with our contract to get benefits. Been on the e-board for 13 years. So this isn't uh, something that is saying that we shouldn't be able to have our benefits. Uh, it's just that uh, if you really bring it down to three areas, we look at people that are uh, committed and reliable, meaning they show up, they take care of the equipment as if it were theirs. They're, they get there before work starts so that if there's a call and the other person has to leave right at work change because they have to go get home so they can put their kid on the bus or something. Um, we're talking about that kind of a committed person. They are involved in committees. They work toward the benefit, the, uh, the future of their fire department and really take ownership in it as if it were their property, mm. the way they take care of the apparatus, the way they take care of the other people that they work with, the equipment, uh, everything. Take classes, make themselves better. And you have people that um, are also are good at their job, but they may not be as good. They're maybe their equipment, you know, they're you know, as if it were rented. Things get broken easier. They um, they don't they just don't treat things as if it was their own. They're still good firefighters, and they show up, mm -hmm. and uh, but they're not going to be on committees. They're not going to be involved in a lot of other things. And it might, and I, and then the last group, I, I guess, is the person that um, you wonder, like, is this person going through some tough times? Because they, or they're not involved in anything. They don't really take care of the equipment that much. Um, they'll call in sick on a Saturday and take overtime on a Sunday. So, you know, we can <laughs> see those patterns of of people that are just like, why is this guy in the fire service? Mm -hmm. um, like some people join the fire service because they just wanted to be in the fire service and they love the teamwork. They love the rewarding feeling when they're uh, helping other people accomplishing something as a team is nothing like it. Um, and I think some people join because for other reasons and they're not bad reasons. Maybe they tried a career in something else and they just need something that's going to be more stable for their family. And I understand that too, but you can still be, uh, a committed and reliable person, um, even though you didn't get into the fire service just because, for, because you wanted just to go do cool teamwork stuff. So I think that it is a hot topic because people might look at it like, well, that's my crew benefit. I earned everything in there. 
And that is very true. And I'm not saying that you shouldn't be able to use your benefits. I think the part of it is if you look at some of the people that are in positions that have um, been leaders in the department, those are the those are the committed and reliable people of any rank, firefighter, yeah. company officer, chief officers, the committed and reliable people are the people that are part of teams, part of uh, making everything better, whether they're um, apparatus spec committees or continuing ed, uh, medical, uh, the medical teams doing CBTs, tech rescue teams, ladder trucks, rescues, squads, whatever. Those are a lot of people that are committed, reliable. And when I say reliable, like if I want this person on one of my teams, it takes a lot of training to be on the tech rescue team, for example. Mm -hmm. If this person is always gone or always um, uh, taking days or that isn't a reliable that they're going to be there to make sure they get all of their training completed to be on this specialty team. It's, it's not a reliable person that's going to be there every day. I never know if they're going to show up. So that can be, um, that's something that you have to think about if you want to go through and really advance in your career or be part of something. Yeah. Um, well, it goes to the saying, right? They say, what's the, uh, an individual or an employee in this case, what's the saying, you know, one's best uh, abilities are, you know, availability, or how about one's best ability is their reliability, right? How much, you know, how, how effective are you in the role that you're playing if you're not reliable or available, right? You can have all the skill set and talent on the planet, but if you aren't relied upon by your members of your team, how great of a leader are you? So let me ask a quick question. You talked about these three groups, committed, reliable, do a good job, and those that take advantage of what's only best for them. I'm optimistic. I'm an optimistic person. And I like to believe that everybody got into the fire service, whether that's a true statistic or not, started off as committed and reliable from day one. Obviously, down the years, down the road, they become maybe less committed and reliable and they fall into the, I'm just here to do a good job or, you know, possibly into taking advantage of what's only best for them. They go down that path eventually. So yeah. what, uh, what brings people down that path and not committed and reliable throughout one's entire career? Uh, yeah, let me first just jump back at the, Oh yeah. everybody can go into, I guess, when I say what's best for them, I don't mean somebody who has, um, hey, they've got somebody that they have to take care of. At home. Oh, they sure. They don't have time to, to get on committees or uh, do other things because they have, maybe they have a special needs kid or they sure. take care of their mom or their uh, spouse or or somebody in their in their family life that just of course. needs their attention and that's uh that's, that's number one great that we have that that's number one yeah yeah yep. i'm just talking about people who are just like yeah i don't really want to yeah work this day and it's my benefit and uh, yeah do it so um and that don't take care of things and don't show up on of course of course and i think we've all seen that right we've seen that you know you, yeah. you mentioned you know call it six saturday you know call it take overtime sunday and there's you know, and not to say that, that that that's not necessary, right? Maybe there was a family emergency right. on Saturday, and absolutely. But but what we're talking about is there's instances where stuff like this does happen, right? Let's just call it what it is. This just happens in every industry, every organization throughout the planet. So, um, and that's that's kind of what you're talking about is, and we know we know when those things occur, and so yes, but yeah, so so going back, thank you for clarifying that. But yes, going back, how do we keep people on the committed and reliable path throughout a 30 year career? Because that's that's it, it changes throughout. Yeah. Yeah, it does. And it's that, that is the, 
that's not easy to do because when I hired on, there were a lot of people that I hired on with that I thought this guy's going to be, this guy is going to be uh, like a captain probably soon. They're mm-hmm. smart. They've got um, drive. Um, and then next thing I know, they just stop trying. They stop promoting, trying to promote. And um, and then they're just, they're, they're, they just quit. Yeah. And they, they can still, they're still good people and still work hard though. What but do you, people just don't go forward. And how do you keep, so I guess your question yeah. was, how do you keep somebody with a good attitude their whole career and not yeah. lose and not, it? Yeah. And not lose it. Like you said, like you, the individual will say that, uh, we'll say peers would have thought promoted through the ranks or became, you know, an influential leader positively early in their career, but quit. I guess the question is, why do some of these people, and I, I know it's kind of rhetorical, right? Because we know we talked about on this podcast already. We talked about, you know, on this episode, you know, sometimes they get uh, disenfranchised for, you know, maybe their ideas are not, you know, brought to fruition often or, you know, ideas are getting shot down a lot. So we know that that happens, um, but we want people to continue to be engaged. So, yes, I guess how, let's uh, offer a tip on staying committed, staying reliable for over the long run. Uh, that's a tough question. It is tough. It is tough. That's why I taught topic. Their career goes up and down at yeah. some point. Whether they've tried, I mean, I tried to promote to be a company officer so many times, and I and it's such a lot of so much dedication and time commitment mm-hmm. away from family and studying and, yep. and prepping. Um, and if I don't come out number one or two, at least for about for a big stretch of years, we only promoted like two yeah. per list. We have 20 people taking it and um, the list is every two years. So uh, you can go, you can get disenfranchised and just feel like, man, this is just a grind. Yeah, and sure. Late calls, tired, grumpy. Uh, it is really tough to maintain it is. a positive, super uh, Pollyanna attitude for 30 years without ever like getting yeah bummed about something so um i think a, a part part of it there's a lot of things that would go into it and in helping is surrounding yourself with positive people yep. that are go-getters there you go i like that I, I feel like that has been a benefit with me from being in that group that i hired on with um they were all just go-getters, yep. smart, and they all promoted, you know, tried to promote early and were involved in things. And I was part of that group, and I just, you know, did what they did. Yeah. And I think that's true in a lot of things in life. We always hear we always hear that. Yeah. Uh, so I was pretty fortunate to be hired with that group of people with Norman, Bill, and Vic that are always trying to promote. Yeah. And, uh, so that is one thing. Yeah. Well, let me lean on that real quick. I, I think there's a yeah. saying out there, right? You become the average of the five people you hang out with the most, right? Mm-hmm. Like, like yeah. if you're always with go-getters, you're going to become a go-getter, right? If you're around a group of people all the time that has a pessimistic or bad attitude, you're going to become pessimistic and you're going to have a bad attitude all the time. So surround yourself. So I guess to answer the question that I threw out there on my own was, how do you stay committed and reliable throughout an entire career is continue to put yourself in positions where you're around positive people, uh, people that are go-getters, people that always want the best for the organization, people that want to push the mission forward, people that are wanting to do good things. 
because naturally that will be you too. Yeah, you know, and, you and it's tough because the fire service, honestly, are all go-getters. I mean, yeah. that's what, we, we hire people that are go-getters and um, top shelf candidates. These guys and girls are super tough, but then you have to take that group that we hired and find those other group inside there that has good attitude and always yep. wants to go forward. So everybody's going to have their downtime. It's just getting back into a good groove and being into a, a good place where you're yeah. positive. And a lot of that has home has to do with home life is impacted, who your supervisor is, who your crew is that you're working with, uh, who your chief is, because that ultimately kind of trickles down to everybody else. And um, those impact your attitude and yep. um, and those all change except for the family part hopefully but like I've always told people hey if you really love the crew that you're working with enjoy it because it's not going to last forever someone's going to get promoted somebody's going to go on our tech rescue team someone's going to move to another shift because they need, they're needed and I've uh, and on the flip side of that if you don't like the crew you're working with don't worry it's not going to last forever someone's going to go somewhere else someone's going to get promoted somebody's going to go to another crew yeah. Um, and that's part of the job too, right? Uh, right, wrong, or indifferent, right? You love your crew. Well, it's going to get broken up. You hate your crew. It's going to get broken up. It's part of our job is resiliency. Part of our job is adversity. You just got to work through it and just know things are going to, the, the, what's the, what's one thing in the fire service uh, that's constant is change. Right. And we know that. So uh, not being disenfranchised for a long period of time is key. You have to change things up, spice it up and uh, stay optimistic. Okay. Rapid fire. This is my favorite part of the episode, Chiefs. We get to ask you to offer a tip to groups of individuals. We unpacked a lot today. So talk about something that these groups can literally start doing right now to start growing in their role as leaders, wherever that might be. The first group is the newer firefighter. This could be a recruit, probationary firefighter, an apprentice, someone that's newer in their career. What's one thing that they could do right now, starting today, to continue to grow as leaders, wherever that may be? I would say uh, uh, any tip for probation is focus on your job, on what your job is, and continue to improve and learn. And take your job seriously. Take it one JATC step test at a time. And that should be your biggest focus for your, fir for your first uh, three years. It's just doing your best at that. And then also, you know, stay with your most positive people, stay liking the, loving the fire service, uh, be involved, but don't go so much that you're going to impact your uh, JTC part. That's what we want you to focus on is just continuing, continually improving and getting better your job because everybody notices um, how good you are. If you keep failing step tests, Everybody knows about it. Um, if you do a good job, everybody knows about it. So just focus on those things for the first part of your career. Awesome. Tip for the emerging leader. This is that newer company officer or maybe an aspiring company officer. What's one thing those groups can do today to continue to grow in their roles as leaders? Well, we talked about it before. Surround yourself with positive people and work hard and contribute. Uh, if you want to be an officer, if you really want to be one, uh, ask yourself why. Why do you want to be one? 
Uh, is it because you feel like you can be a good asset and that you would be helpful? Um, is it because you want to just be a captain? You got to ask yourself why. But if you do really want to be it, don't stop trying. It takes a ton of work, but just continue to plug away. And then if you are a new company officer, some little tips. Uh, just because you get promoted doesn't mean you know, you're the best person and you know everything. So be open to suggestions or ideas from your crews. We talked about that earlier. Also, don't get you don't get to decide what's for dinner, what the temperature of the room is, or uh-huh. what is on TV. Because you're the officer, you can make your decisions when it comes to training and the management of the time and what we do when we go on calls and making those decisions. But back in the station, you let those other people make those decisions, okay? And then when you get newly promoted, and I went this through this, and I'm sure a lot of people did, do your best not to get defensive or threatened by other people if they have ideas or they tell you that your information is wrong or that your, in, your decision isn't the best. Um, it's easy to get defensive and want to be in charge. Like, hey, I'm the, I'm the captain. You don't ever correct me. So I would just try to be patient with that. People are going to push back and see where you are. Just take the information and say, yep, good idea. Oh, no, we're not going to do it that, but thanks for the, thanks for the idea. Uh, keep your cool. Don't get upset. I remember hearing uh, Brian Carson say this, and I wish I would have heard it 25, 30 years ago. Um, I before E, uh, intelligence before emotions. Hmm. So uh, just if you've ever been upset and got and yelled at somebody, I don't think anybody's walked away with that thinking, man, I crushed it. Yeah. I'm so glad I, I lost my patience with that person. <laughs> um, but I'm, I'm always impressed with a person that I'm thinking is about to blow up. And they just use their intelligence and um, and just discuss yes. the issue and uh, don't let their emotions get the best of them. So I would say that for the emerging company officer or new company I love that. Officer. Don't react with an emotion. It's, it's, I've heard that before. I know a lot of authors, you know, they, they study, you know, how many times would we do we wish – we would have taken uh, a response back after like, say we're in the middle of an argument or a discussion or, or whatever it may have been. And the vast majority, if not all of them, the, you, the reason why you would have taken it, you wish you would have taken You're able to take it back is because you react, you, you reacted on emotion. And uh, one thing I've tried to adopt, I'm glad you brought it up is in any situation, no matter good or bad, big issue, small issue is when someone asks me a question or when someone, uh, you know, wants a response out of me is don't respond. Think about it for a minute and don't just act upon the first emotion that comes because oftentimes, especially in a charged environment, it may be the wrong response or the uh, less idealistic response that you're looking for. But secondly, I'm going to lean on this because you said surround yourself with positive people many times today with thank you for saying that, but I'm going to go ahead and take it one step further and say, yes, surround yourself with positive people, but then become one of those positive people. So people are then surrounding themselves around you because you are one of the positive people and you're not one of the negative ones trying to find positivity around you so you could change. So thank you. All right. Finally, the senior, the established leader, sorry, chief called you senior there for a minute. Well, not for a minute. I think you'll be (laughs) (laughs) 31 years in the fire service. So how about established leaders of organizations, right? It could be chief officers. It doesn't have to be chief officers. It could be someone that's been there for 20 years, 30 years, right? Someone that has been around for a long time, experience, has been there, has knowledge, got skills, got abilities. What's something that they could do to continue to grow as leaders? I think at the point where you become a, you've been in the fire service for 30 years, especially if you've gone through and became a 
uh, a chief rank, deputy chief, fire chief, assistant chief, district chief, division chief, battalion chief. Uh, it's just a, to continue to stay humble. Um, you should almost have a sense of imposter syndrome sometimes. Mm. Like, I, how did I get here? Uh, I'm surrounded by so many smart people that, like, how did I make it to the spot? So appreciate the work that others do. Listen to everybody. Listen to their, listen to the um, people from all ranks, especially if you're a, a, in a chief rank. Listen to their complaints, ideas, needs, uh, and then ask them how they are doing and what their professional, you know, the goals are, um, what they need, and um, and then value the differences in people's perspectives because people have different ideas and perspectives and it's good to see both sides of things and that's just and that's not talking about hey you got to be a visionary you got to be work hard you got to know your job look at what the challenges are for the fire service and what you need to do to improve your fire service i'm just talking about as far as just be humble be approachable mm -hmm. um have vision work hard toward the goals that's going to benefit everybody all right this is Leadership Challenge time, Chief. I'm sure you know about the Leadership Challenge. Every episode, uh, we ask our guests to help us further the conversation, right? Because leadership needs to be spread. The conversation needs to continue. We need to continue to add voices, perspectives, and differences to the table so we continue to grow and learn from the vast differences that are out there. So I should ask, is there someone out there that you would like to formally challenge to come be a future guest to talk leadership here on the kitchen table. Yes, I have worked alongside this guy for three and a half years. It's Eric Hamas from Renton Regional Fire Authority who currently runs all of our incident management system, promotional tactics, the media side of at the South King County Fire Training Consortium. He's just really articulate, very smart guy really patient. I bounce things off him all the time. He speaks way better than I do. The only thing is I did ask him about this and he said that you couldn't afford him. Because <laughs> he charges a lot. I uh, bet he does. I bet he does. But I'll, I'll, I'll tell you what. I'll tell you what. I know, uh, I know great leaders. Um, I know one thing that they're also great at um, and it's got it written right on their, you know, on their title as being a leader is I know that they will uh, donate their time to a good cause oh, if I were to ask him. Paid. Yes. Okay. Yes. So, uh, but we'll see, right? We, he can always shoot me down. He can shoot me an invoice and uh, we'll see where that takes us. But Hey, you can, uh, you can only, uh, the worst that can happen is, is a no. Right. And uh, fortunately for me, I know where he works. I think <laughs> he's right. only about 14 feet down from, from my desk. And so mm -hmm. um, I will let him know that, uh, Chief Battalion Chief Eric Hamas at Renton Regional Fire Authority has been officially leadership challenged by Battalion Chief Gary Barker here on the kitchen table. So thank you for that. It is official. It is official. Let me ask, Chief, uh, because I do thank you for your time, right? Class of uh, 92.4, always a pleasure. And there's uh, plenty more of 92.4 on the queue to come on the kitchen table. So we've just uh, we've added some more greatness from 92.4 here on the kitchen table. But I'll ask, lasting leadership thoughts before we close on the kitchen table today? Uh, yeah, to be a good leader, you should never apologize as a sign of weakness. Never change your mind once you make a decision because you look wishy-washy and weak. 
if you make a mistake, assign blame. Never admit fault. Uh, take credit for other people's work if it went well. If it, uh, if it makes you look bad, then assign blame, like we said before. Um, brag. Brag about things that you did because people like that. And never admit you don't know something because then people will think you don't know anything. So just tell them, yeah, you should go find that out and let me know what you find. And then if you intimidate people when they ask questions, they won't come ask again. So that way you look like you're not going to, that way you won't get bothered with ideas and let people know you're in charge. Be overly confident, really key to being a leader in this fire service. There yes, are actually are. things that I've learned throughout the fire yes. service not to do. <laughs> what not to do. And uh, no, thank you for that. And uh, you and I have joked around about that stuff. It's uh, sometimes as leadership, you know, it's, it's, we learn a lot from taking classes. We learn a lot from observation. We talked about that. We learn a lot about, from reflection, but something that we can always do also is learn what not to do because sometimes oh, yeah. that's easier, right? It's always, it, sometimes it can be a challenge to adopt, let's say an, an, a trait, a behavior, a characteristic, an attitude. Something you know, a yeah. skill set, but sometimes it can just be easier just to not be someone or to do something. So, you learn a lot for that. what not to do. I have literally yeah. heard I've had officers or leaders that never apologize and never change their mind. Look, I said offensive, we're going offensive. This building is falling down. Nope. Um, yeah. they don't take they take credit for everything, and the thing is, they don't realize that everybody else knows it and yeah. and and sees that. So you really, you should apologize, obviously, if you've made a mistake. Um, you shouldn't want to apologize. You should try hard not to make the mistakes over and over so that way you're not have, have to. But if you make a mistake and you do something wrong, which we all do, you should apologize, and people will respect that. And as far as making like a decision, and if you, if you really don't want to change your mind, make sure the decision is correct and get some input from people around you before you make that decision obviously we can't on a fire ground because it's like that's where your training comes into play but get people's perspectives and and i love uh, it make those decisions but i love uh, it yeah those are just things that one ought to do and, I've, and all of those things that i said is a joke we say around this office um but they are literally things that have happened that, that my is, career. yeah they have happened yep and there are still a couple people that will act like that occasionally. You'll find one every once in a while that has slipped, that has made it to where they are. But um, every so many people were like that when I was coming up through their career. It's yeah, it's crazy. Fire service have changed, so that's good. Yep. Thank you, everybody, for tuning in today to the kitchen table. We truly hope that you found this time valuable, and we hope that we've inspired you to take action, to lead, and to spread the leadership conversation. Till next time, be safe. Be intentional and stay curious.